Welcome to the Rare Earth Podcast, a place where I bring in rare individuals to have rare conversations. My name is Manoj, your host, and now let's get the show started. Hello world, I'm super excited to bring to you my very, very first guest. His name is David Feldman. Well, let me tell you a little bit about David. He started as a tech entrepreneur and went on to become a licensed family therapist who specializes in building great marriages. In fact, he's got a Twitter handle with the same name, Building Great Marriages, which attracts a lot of attention and he's got a huge following there. He's married for over 28 years with six children. He's a man with incredible wisdom when it comes to relationship and David is based out of Chicago. Well, you may be wondering how did I manage to get my first guest from Chicago, me being from India? Well, that's a very interesting story you will get to hear in this conversation. In this episode, we discuss everything about relationship and marriage, tips and insights that will help you have a happy and healthy relationship with your spouse and various questions, you know, all of us have been battling with. So pay attention to this one. I think it's going to be a blast. This is a two-part conversation, so please enjoy my very first, my very deep and wide-ranging conversation with David Feldman. David, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Manaj. I'm really delighted to have you on the show, and I- I've been following your work on Twitter for a while. I know, uh, and it really comes across uh, where it makes a lot of sense when you read it, uh-huh. and when, <laughs> and then when I, when I went on to check your followers on the Twitter feed, and I found that some of the people I really look up to, they are following your your work. Really delighted to have you on the show. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I work hard on my Twitter feed because I just feel very um, fortunate to have had the life that I've led. And, um, you know, I'm a little bit older and I feel like it's a little bit of my responsibility also to share in a non-confrontational way, you know, the wisdom that I have, that I've been graced with. So It's amazing. It's uh, really, uh, I think there's a lot of people out there uh, immensely benefiting from it. And I think (laughs) you may be getting testimonials from people (laughs) who have transformed their, you know, uh, marriage life, especially. So, so thank you. Yes. Why don't we, (laughs) why don't we start the uh, the show with a little bit of uh, the way we got to connect with each other? (laughs) Why don't you tell me that? Oh, sure, sure. So, you know, I, like I said, I I mainly use um, Twitter and I'm just kind of dabbling on Instagram. I kind of look at it like it's, you know, the second tier frontier that I've just never been able to uh, really get my hands around. And, you know, I noticed that I had a message in my Instagram, you know, and it took me about six or seven <laughs> minutes to figure out where to go to What's see the message. <laughs> <laughs> but once I figured it out, I said, holy smokes, this is incredible. And so... <laughs> And it turned out that you had taken one of my tweets and you respectfully created this beautiful uh, graphic with a video and everything. And you put it on Instagram and you, 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 you gave me credit for it on the bottom. And I said, wow, this is, this is just beyond. And I was uh, just so, not only was I flattered, but I was just so taken aback by how your artistry converted my simple text message into something that, felt very powerful. So I said to myself, who is this guy? And I started looking <laughs> you up and then we had a podcast. And I said, I want 
I want whatever he's got. <laughs> so <laughs> I asked, I, I invited myself onto your podcast, basically. That, that's, that's one hell of a story, uh, I must say, because uh, when I was just, uh, you know, getting prepared for this podcast itself, when I was working on launching it, you know, you are one of those guys where, uh, you know, I would have featured you as a guest list number 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> I really wanted to be more prepared by the time I meet you, but yeah. uh, you know, it's it's like uh, God's divine plan to send you right into my life, and then That's right. it's 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 one of those you know, wow, <laughs> that yeah. that kind of a moment for me. So thank you, yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate okay. what you're doing too, because it seems like you're trying to take um, quality and good messages, you know, good. Like when I say good, I mean positive messages, you know, even from the other stuff that you're quoting in the other podcasts that you have listed on your site. And you're trying to share it with the rest of the world. So we're on the same team. <laughs> yes, I think, uh, you know, uh, there's too much of stuff out there, right? And to really filter out the fluff and really give some quality data out to people who are really seeking that i think we could we could do a, a good job there i feel so yeah i felt the same uh, vibe when i was reading your content that you know you really are distilling wisdom in a way which is easily applicable and people can really think over it you know sometimes it's very hard hitting but we really oh, can yeah. contemplate on that and there must be something into it so it's really valuable so thank yeah. you yeah of course and uh, so you've been uh, married for 25 years and uh, you you have kids, uh, six of them, right? Yes, yes. And it's 28 uh, years, just to be exact. <laughs> 28? Okay. <laughs> okay, my bad. So, uh, and you have kids from 12 years old all the way to 27? Correct. That's correct. Five boys okay, uh, and one little girl. <laughs> okay, so the youngest one is a girl. That's it, yeah. Okay, and what's her name? Aliza. She's named after my mother, Aliza. Aliza. Okay. Yeah. If I were to ask Aliza, uh, what does your dad do? Uh, what do you think she's going to tell me? <laughs> First, she thinks that I play video games on the computer all day long, right? Because <laughs> when people, when young kids see you playing on the computer, working on the computer, they think that you're doing what they're doing, you know, watching YouTube videos, playing video games, you know. She knows that I work with couples and she knows that I do, that I go to work, I go to the office and have this technology something or another, you know, but she doesn't really understand. She knows that I have clients because I'm always telling her to be quiet whenever I have a client on the phone. So uh, that's pretty much it. So uh, she, she thinks you do something fun over the computer and then there are people who come out to you, you know, chit chat with you. That's right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but what, what do you exactly do if, if my audience had to hear you out? Sure. Sure. I started my career as, um, and this is an important part for young men, especially. Do you mind if I share my origin story, so to speak? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Please proceed. Okay, great. Yeah. So I got married when I was 24 and um, I had no career and no income. Mm-hmm. And I, my wife was a, a saint for putting up with me, of course. And um, marriage itself created the environment where I started to become much more responsible and pursue a life where I could support her and our upcoming children much more diligently and aggressively. Mm-hmm. And at 25, I played around with some, you know, some stupid multi-level marketing things and that are just really dumb and some sales jobs. Eventually I ended up going to a computer school where I learned programming. This is back when they had mainframes and stuff. So I learned mainframe wow. computer <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah. I got my first job at, at the age of 
20, my first real job at the age of about 26 or 27 after I went to computer school for about six to eight months. And then I did that for about five or seven years. And then I opened up my own technology business at the age of 32. And um, yeah, and it's been, I, I do some phone systems for enterprise customers. And it doesn't take up all my time. I, I, I spend uh, some time. But the, and then eventually I went, I went back to college, a university where I got my master's degree in a marriage and family therapy. I guess at a certain point, I got tired of staring at a computer screen all the time. <laughs> and instead, I wanted to work with people more face-to-face and heart-to-heart. So that's what I do now. I do kind of both, but yeah. Okay, that's that's really interesting uh, background. Um, what triggered you from quitting your job and starting something on your own? Like uh, conventionally, people really, if they have a good job, comfortable, they pretty much would continue a corporate ladder. Uh, so what, what made you decide that you got to be doing something on your own? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, once I realized in the, in the, in the um, IT world, it was specifically in, in technology, that your expertise is highly valued. And that when you're working for somebody else, it's a beautiful thing. I'm not here to put down anybody who has a full-time day job. It's very important. And I'm so thankful that I had that. But at some point, I kind of read the market and realized that my worth was much greater to people um, as an individual problem-solving and working closely with decision-makers and um, that's really where my value came in much more than, say, joining a team of programmers that were working on a particular project somewhere in the background. And that's not to say that, that everybody is the same as me, and there's not to put anybody down at all. All those things are very important. But for me, right. I just realized that you know, I could create something that was beyond um, what I was currently doing and get paid significantly more in the, in the process. And that was really exciting for me, you know. And of course, it helped that I had a bunch of kids already. <laughs> and I needed to make significantly larger income if I wanted to support them well. So those two things in conjunction. Absolutely. Okay, that's that's that makes a lot of sense. And uh, why did you really make a choice to really pursue? marriage as a subject what triggered that journey for you you were, you were doing very well in your career then you migrated to become an entrepreneur and then uh, what bug got your attention towards marriage and you know yeah pursue that as a passion project sure i'll, I'll give you two two things that did um the first one is that <clears throat> and i'm going to make a generalization here every man somewhere every couple and specifically men somewhere in their 40s the world kind of shifts out from underneath them. And there's a, development, a developmental cycle that occurs with men where we get married. I have a tweet about this too. We get married to the fantasy. And then at some point, we learn to love the reality. Mm-hmm. And what that basically means is that when we're young and we get married to a woman, we feel like we don't really see her for who she is. We see what it is that we want her to be in our own two eyes. And at some point, usually somewhere in the 40s, when you're somewhere in your mid 40s, you realize that this fantasy is either probably not gonna ever come true or it's not exactly what you really wanted. And for sure, it's nothing about who she really is as a person. And that causes a lot of cognitive dissonance for many men. And it brings up a lot of struggle 
And sometimes it, it can bring up a lot of pain. And I know for me, that's part of my story. I, I, when I turned in my mid forties, I realized that this beautiful, amazing woman who I had committed myself to was very dissimilar, not like the imaginary woman I had in my head. Yeah. And I said to myself, I've got to like go back to school and figure this whole thing out. You know, mm -hmm. I have to learn how to communicate. I have to learn to accept. I have to increase my patience. I have to understand what it is about her emotions that drives me bonkers. I have to understand how to f inspire gratitude and love for her and just shift my whole perception of what it means to be a committed, loving husband. And I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And then I went ahead and I said, you know what? I, 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 I want to share this with the rest of the world. I, I want to teach men and show men and women what are the ingredients to a successful, long-term, committed, loving, intimate relationship? And mm. that's what I do. That's very fascinating. I'm, I'm wondering, questions that you asked yourself then are really very important in directing your thinking, actually. So you ask the question, what is that I need to do better to really understand how to really be more compassionate, feel a sense of gratitude. These are questions. I don't think people, when they are actually having a lot of conflict in their mind with respect to their partner, would be contemplating. Uh, it's it's very different kind of question that you actually directed your mind to. Yeah. Uh, so w what caused you to ask those questions? Well, probably frustration and failure with asking myself all the wrong questions. <laughs> ah, Okay. <laughs> That's very interesting. Okay. So you really put in a lot of effort asking very <laughs> frustrating questions, which didn't lead you to anywhere. That is correct. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, that's an interesting uh, transition. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. That's really what it was. I am no genius. I just failed <laughs> enough times to, I had a little bit of brains to say to myself after failure, after failure to say, okay, this is getting me nowhere. You know, what choices yeah. do I have? And, and actually that's an interesting Segway, if you want, you know, that first question you asked on your list. Um, yeah. Can you repeat it to me? What was that first question that you had on your list? It's a great one. It was. Um, I'll, I'll tell you. First question is, tell me one thing you don't have patience for. Oh, yeah. Because this ties into that directly. Um, okay. Victim story. Vic my, my victim story is one thing I have developed a tremendous impatience for because I lived in my victim story for such a long time. And now it's almost like, you know how when you taste spoiled food, you immediately repel, it's like repulsive to you, right? Yeah, you re recognize that instantly, right? Instantly, so. right? Yeah. And you know, that's one of the strongest tools that a man can develop is to identify and to become repulsed by his own victim story. And that's not to say that we don't have challenges or that we don't have real problems or to downplay anybody's you know, existing situation. But the, the solution is always, in order to get to a solution, we're always required to get out of our own victim story. And that's part well, of what the transition that I did and definitely the transition I help the men that I work with. And I, like you said, my Twitter feed, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's deep and emotional, but sometimes it hits hard because right. I kind of like put up this mirror and say, boom, like, is yeah. this who you want to be, you know, or, you know, if you want something more then you're going to have to change and it's a little tough. Right. I think uh, when people, 
deep within know that they are not doing something right and there is this kind of a message which hits you there is something which really touches your heart right you you it resonates with something that you need to really pay attention to so mm-hmm. you do that i want to come back to the point that when you mentioned about victim story so what what is an example of a victim story what do you mean by victim story can you elaborate on that please sure sure well um you know we all there are people who say there's a famous phrase and i don't know which um kind of philosophy this comes from but that who we are at any given point in time is just a a combination of the different stories that we're telling ourselves about our life at any moment in time and actually as a therapist there's a whole school of therapy called narrative therapy mm-hmm. which um you hear the client's whole description of their life and then as the therapist you go back and you point out oh you said you were kicked out of high school what a horrible thing and yet that led you to this amazing job that you said that you got and then you change the person's perception of that negative experience to wow you know what because this happened i became this and look at how much resiliency and power it showed and how much strength and capability must have been required for me to transition from being kicked out of this place or losing this job or getting a divorce or whatever it is that people are telling themselves is this negative thing look at the strength and the power it took to overcome that negative situation so that's basically a way that we describe and we feel about ourselves through stories that we tell ourselves and the way we perceive things so a victim story is basically and you can feel this as a man specifically when you're feeling that something happened to you mm. that you can't control and that you can't overcome something unfair happened to you and it usually comes with a sense of dread or depression or resignation right and when mm. you feel that it leaves you powerless and it leaves you in a place where you have no options and it tends to towards depression Hmm. And that's you being a victim to circumstance. And that's not to downplay that really bad things happen to people. I'm not downplaying that at all. Right, right. Yeah. I think uh, uh, very few men probably uh, recognize that they need to do something about that uh, at that stage of their life. I think probably many would even assume that they really are going through depression or something is not okay with them uh, and they could pretty much go in a direction which could be very destructive to them, right? Absolutely. And that's not to say that person's not going through depression. And right, it's not to right. say that something okay. bad didn't happen. When 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 a company closes and a person gets laid off, that's real, right? And mm-hmm. and, and I'm not here to say, "Oh, you know, no big deal." No, 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 no. That is a big deal. Mm-hmm. However, the stories that people tell themselves about it, I'm not a good employee. Bad things always happen to me. I have no luck making money. I can never be successful. those four things are victim mm. stories and that's what a good friend a parent a brother a therapist a coach is there to help you build yourself up yes this thing happened yes this factory closed yes you lost your job yes covid-19 took somebody away from you that was very precious 100% and let's talk about it and feel those feelings but that doesn't define you mm mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think yeah. uh, uh, it could be immensely valuable to somebody who recognizes these patterns of stories they tell themselves. Yes. And once they notice these things, probably it is easy to really start a journey in a direction to make a make a transformation, right? So Yes, absolutely. 
David, you 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 are definitely one of those rare men who have like 25 years of marriage and you know uh, six kids. It's a very uh, you're you're not only an entrepreneur and a, a spiritual teacher and you know you're doing so many things. You're a man with multiple hats. Uh, I, I'm really curious about your your story with your wife. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about how did you meet your wife and oh, what's her name? Sure. Yes, she's the best. So. <laughs> So I, I'll tell you a, a funny story. So when I was uh, 17, I graduated high school a little bit early. I graduated when I was 17 years old, and that's when I went off to college. And our college is in the middle of a state in the United States called Iowa. Uh, you know, I know that India has lots of different types of, you know, you have the Himalayas, you've got the urban centers. So this is literally, Iowa is like literally in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of a cornfield, in the middle of the country. It's the exact center of America. And I went to this college, and... Um, my dad drove me with his big station wagon, which is like a minivan, so to speak, nowadays. And we were pulling our stuff. He was pulling my stuff out of the car, out of the backseat. All my, you know, I was living, going to live there. So all my suitcases and my blankets, this and that. And I'm taking everything out of the car. And I see my dad. He's like looking over my shoulder and he's not helping me unpack. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking at him like, what's going on? So he elbows me with his elbow and he points right over my shoulder. And I, and I, and I turned to look and there was this beautiful woman that was walking down the stairs of this dormitory that I was going to be living in. And he looks at me and he says, she's the one for you. Really? <laughs> that's, that's fascinating. Okay. Your dad really pointed out your potential partner for the future okay that's it well look you're from india and i know that happens too in india right don't your parents help you pick out who's going to be your partner <laughs> but definitely not the way you're narrating <laughs> <I know. laughs> that, that <laughs> there's a completely different angle to the way I indians know. do it so but okay and then uh then i proceeded to become friends with my future wife we fought like cats and dogs and we had a really good time with each other at the same time. We became best friends. Circumstantially, we lived in the same house together and we just really enjoyed each other. Um, and then, you know, something sparked between us as, you know, I always felt like she was a beautiful woman and, you know, but she was somebody who liked older guys and more, you know, bad boys and this and that. And <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So uh, <laughs> as a as a 17 year old uh, weren't you motivated to become a bad boy uh, because those were her aspirations. <laughs> I just don't have it in me as much as I would like to try. <laughs> I'm an, I'm your typical nice guy. There's no bad boy in me at all. Take it, I am what I am. Take it or leave it. <laughs> you know. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. But but, but quite insight. a story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She had the insight. And we didn't by the way we didn't, we, I met her at 17, but I didn't get married until 24. Mm -hmm. We were on and off. This is something else I tell my clients too, because sometimes people think that like, if they break up with somebody or they separate with somebody, it spells the end of their relationship. Mm. And it doesn't have to be that way. It could, of course. But I mean, I must, my, my wife and I must have dated on and off. And when I say on and off, it, it means like we were separated for years at a time. I'm at least twice or maybe three times over the course of those seven years. And eventually at 24, um, we decided to tie the knot and we've been married ever since. So never give up hope. Wow. <laughs> I think that gives a lot of hope to a lot of couples out there who are trying to figure out what's going yes. on in their world. So mm -hmm. I think that's definitely helpful. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. 
and and you you come across as somebody who's extremely calm and tranquil uh, ha- have you been like this from the beginning or it's been uh, an ongoing journey or do you have your moments when you lose your cool oh i for sure have those that's for sure um but yes i've been accused of being happy go lucky pretty much my whole life <laughs> so i don't necessarily feel that way all the time but people who know me always think oh nothing ruffles your feathers or nothing gets to you and um it's probably true on some level, you know, that probably helps. I don't have, I don't have like a extreme temper or something like that, but I am very driven. Like you said, I do, I do do a lot of things. So I have a very strong drive and um, I like to give people space. That's that for me, that's the main reason why I feel like I'm able to maintain my calm. I recognize that circumstances happen People have emotional swings and I don't make every single time something like that occurs about me, you know, and that's very, very important. Mm -hmm. The older you get, the more space you give to people because you've just been through so much and you've seen the swings, you know, and that's definitely a skill that I would think that young men could, you know, stop being so um, reactive, you know, even on Twitter. Twitter is a good place to practice, by the way. Because <laughs> you put you put something out. There. I don't know. Maybe you'll tell me Instagram is the same way. But on Twitter, you put something out there and get ready for the you know the hordes of people and learning right. how not to get triggered is like a superpower. You know, and you just relax, give people space. There's a lot of truth out there that might not be yours, and to mm. learn to respect other people's realities and other people's truths gives you peace of mind. That's true. I think Twitter is definitely a place where you can test your patience. Once you put something out there, uh, you have a lot of fascinating people getting back to you with interesting (laughs) points uh, to debate on. So shifting gears, I would like to now uh, really get into a little bit of meat of the conversation where you have the expertise. We see a lot of couples uh, in, in general who are really long timers. They have crossed 10 years, 12 years. And then you start noticing this pattern of both of them living under one roof, you know, mechanically doing whatever needs to be done to run the household, taking care of the kids, asking the usual questions to each other in a, in a, in a very pleasant way, in a, in, a, in, a, in a very mechanical, but very pleasant way. And to the world, to the society, everything looks perfectly fine. Like you are a happy family, but there is no intimacy. There is no vitality in their relationship. And what is it that after a certain period of time, couples start drifting away? What causes them to drift away? And is that a natural process or is it something which they have to deliberately avoid happening? Could you just throw some lights on that? Sure, sure. It's a, it's a great description you gave. Uh, we have a term for that in marriage therapy. It's called mingles, M-I-N-G-L-E-S, mingles, married uh-huh. singles. So they're married, <laughs> but they're living together like they're single, called mingles. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And I actually have a blog post about this. Um, it's called, Does She Desire Me? And this is my take on it. And everybody has their own perception. And you, know, you asked a lot of questions. Is this a natural process? Yes, in my opinion. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What you're going to do about it is up to you. Mm. Okay. And this is how I explain it. And other people can have totally different opinions and that's fine. But this is my take. Desire and attraction 
in the first part of our relationship is, uh, first of all, it comes extremely naturally to both parties, right? Mm -hmm. As we mentioned before, you're marrying this fantasy, right? So I'm completely enamored with my wife and she is completely enamored with this strong, powerful, capable, highly potential man, right? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> the, the promise of the future. There you go, the promise of the future, right? So what ends up happening is that the work of desire shifts from her to me and from me to her. Okay, now watch. Listen, it's not okay. that complicated, but I sometimes have a hard time expressing. So let's let's try. Originally, desire is organic and natural. But what ends mm. up happening it is that desire becomes something. Desire for her becomes something that I have to work on. Not that she has to inspire. Huge difference there. Okay? okay. okay. I mm. have to work on desiring my wife. If I don't work on desiring my wife, the natural... Um, the, the natural progression of a marriage is that she will become less desirable to me unless I put in that effort. What does that mean? That means I have to see how beautiful she is. I have to work on recognizing the amazing things that she does for me and for my children. I have to see the beauty in her figure and her form and her graciousness for sharing her body with me. I have to see the the incredible things about her character, which I didn't notice before. I didn't need to notice before because mm -hmm. I was living in a fantasy land about who this person was. Now I have to work on arousing this incredible desire and, and lust and passion and, and need for intimacy that, that came natural before. It becomes my, me desiring my wife becomes my responsibility not something that, oh, she needs to lose weight or, oh, she needs to be more sexy or, oh, she's taking the care of the kids too much. Forget all that. You have to work on desiring your spouse. Otherwise, it's going to go away. And the same thing goes true for her. And for women, I believe it's even harder because women mm. have what I call this negative eye. They can zero in on every flaw and fault <laughs> of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they never forget it. So they got two things going for them. They can see it and they never forget it, right? Right. right. So a woman has to actively work on craving her husband's love and support and seeing him for the man that he really is. And when you choose not to work on it and you wait around for it to happen, that's when you were 22. That's not when mm. you're 35. When you're 35, 40, you need to be working on this. You both need to be working on this. Otherwise, you're just going to be sitting there waiting forever because it's not going to just pop up out of nowhere. She's not going to put on a dress and all of a sudden, all these negative thoughts that you've had and all these negative interactions and these stories that you tell yourself is going to disappear. You have to work on it. Mm. And so that's my answer to your, to your question. There are a lot of people who are married and still waiting for the, ins the lovely inspiration that occurred and wondering where did it all go? 
it's all in front of your face. But if you choose not right. to see it and you don't want to work on it, you're not going to be in touch with it. Do you have any example of a case wherein you really felt this is like an impossible case? I, I, I wonder, can there be a miracle which can really bring them together? And it, it turned around. Do you have anything, any such case that you would like to share? Sure, sure. This happens in my, um, this happens in my, in my practice quite often. You know, there is m- many different cases. I'll tell one that I find very fascinating. They, they, a, cu- a young couple was having, um, they weren't even that young. They'd been married for like, I don't know, seven or eight years. And okay. they were having problems in their intimate life. And, you know, from the story that they were telling me, it just sounded like they were never going to see eye to eye, you know. And it was um, that bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the truth was it really wasn't that bad. But what, what made it even worse, in my opinion, was that it was that the woman felt sexually neglected, which is not that common, to be honest, in my mm-hmm. in what I see. I mainly see that the men are the one complaining. But in this case, the woman, and why do I see that made it worse? Because when a woman feels, you know, neglected physically, then she emotionally shuts down and then, mm. you know that's when the tornado, the emotional tornadoes start smashing into the relationship and everything starts going south. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when I, I spoke to each one of them separately, cause that's how I do my couples therapy. I don't, I don't do couples therapy with both of them in the room at the same time, except for very rarely. And why is that? I mean, why would you take a lion, a hungry lion <laughs> and a hungry tiger and put them in the same cage? Does that make any sense at all whatsoever? <laughs> eventually they need to eventually they need to live together later so That's i'm just true. wondering <laughs> like harmonious relationship later so yeah <laughs> correct right so you don't want the you don't want the, to be a witness to this massive battle and then say goodbye right. cuz your hours over and then they they walk around you know i don't do that uh, i don't find that that's very helpful for me mm-hmm. um, but what ended up happening was that you know he felt that she was too demanding physically, mm. you know, and she felt that he didn't care. And this had been going on for about eight years or six, mm. seven years. And she would cry herself to sleep and she would be so sad. And it was really, I mean, they were really on the verge of calling it quits, you know? And, um, what, was, what I felt was really beautiful, and this is what I see with many relationships, is that underneath this separation was really a strong desire to reconnect. And when you see that people are hurt, angry, upset, and bitter, that's so much better than when they're apathetic. Because it shows that there's really a desire for them to come together again. Mm-hmm. The worst is when you get one person saying, well, Whatever she wants to do, I'm okay with. It doesn't make a difference to me. That's the worst. Wow. It may look like, oh, the guy's easygoing, but it's not. It means that he's checked out. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So that could be a red flag that he's almost giving up on the relationship. Totally. And that's what I look for mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. I always mm-hmm. ask the couples, like, are you committed to doing the work to making this? You know, and if mm-hmm. a guy says or if a woman says, well, he can do whatever he wants. I'm not really, you know, if he changes, that's fine. If not, that's just the worst. You know, Mm. in any case, so um, what was really nice about this particular situation was that what she really wanted deep down inside um, wasn't very far off from what he was willing to give. 
It's just that they couldn't, for five, six, seven, eight years, they could never communicate this to each other because there was so much pain and anguish and sadness. So whenever she expressed herself and he said, well, that doesn't work for me, she felt completely rejected. Mm. And whenever he said, oh, I'm not comfortable with that, and she would push and say, well, well, you know, that doesn't make me feel good or that makes me feel bad, he would feel like a failure. Mm. And actually, in this particular circumstance, I got them on doing something which I, which I love to do in general with the couples that I work with, which is increase in gratitude. I have a whole guide that people can download if they come to my site. Um, a whole gratitude journal, how to, how to create mm. gratitudes for each other. And they would text each other these beautiful messages every day, which was a turnaround for them. Mm. Then I actually got into the details of their sexual thing, like the whole, which I don't Rosses. normally do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most people know how to you know, do that, no problem. So I don't normally have to do it. But in this particular situation, I did. And yeah. there's a few minor changes and everything shifted for them. And wow, I still that's... keep up with him. I still check in with him. You know, they, they, they finished my program and I still check in with him maybe once a month. Like I make sure that he's doing his thing that he's supposed to be doing, mm. you know, and uh, he gives me, we don't, we don't talk much. He just gives me a thumbs up <laughs> and she's happy. Everything, and happy. <laughs> everything is on track. I think that, that that's a great story of an amazing intervention that you did. And I, and I think it will resonate with a lot of people out there who really are going through this, this very situation. I think they, 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 they're probably contemplating, is it really working out or is there even a possibility for, make, for making, me, making this work, right? So yes. really, thank you for sharing that, yeah, that uh, particular case. Yeah. Now, uh, in the current times, because of COVID, I, I think there is a new set of problems which have emerged. You know, uh, we, we have a series of people who are working remotely from their residences now. You know, so they are, they are really subjected to a lot of family time, uh, much more than ever before. <laughs> you know, uh, and now they're actually witnessing so much of each other's presence, even the kids, that I think they, they I, I hear people telling that, you know, I just wish I could just go to the office. You know, it's too much of family yes. time. Uh, so my question to you is, what, what aspects of relationships have emerged uh, because of too much of their presence with each other, which seems to be a, a common pattern that you're hearing from people? Yeah, for sure. I would say that um, one of the most common uh, issues that come up and that's masked by our day-to-day -day routine is the, is the issue of, of respecting people's boundaries. This is a very important issue that seems to, that seems to get sidelined because in modern urban life, we already have so many boundaries that are already on us, whether it's time constraints or media or um, different activities that we do or things just like carpool or just functioning in a modern lifestyle that we've all become accustomed to, our personal boundaries aren't really that important as much. You know, we don't see them as much. So when we're put together with everybody in the same room or in the same house, and it, it feels like a free-for-all, right? That's like a big <laughs> right. part of it. You know, um, that's when daddy needs private time. Like who's ever heard of that before, right? Who's ever yeah. heard of daddy having, daddy comes home from work and 
maybe he takes five, 10 minutes for himself, but then he's sitting with the family, doing homework, talking to the kids, watching a movie with them. It's family time. Hmm. Kids have never experienced kind of like, I'm here, but I'm not available. Like that doesn't happen. Uh, this, is, this has become <laughs> a new terminology, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and same with wives and husbands. You know, right, right. same with just to be, let's just go for it. We can talk about that as well. You know, all of a sudden the guy wants sex at two o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. Why not? Right. right? <laughs> He's right. here, she's there. And she, right. and that was normal, right? What's normal? They, you know, late at night, the kids are sleeping, this, that, you know. So people having a, having an, uh, a respect and gaining respect for each other's limits and boundaries, that's tough, mm. you know. Mm. And for, for a husband to say, you know, I'm over here in this corner of the house. I'll see you at noon when we'll have lunch <laughs> together. Right. Yeah. And the wife is just like, well, why can't we just chat all day? Right. Right. right? You know what I'm talking about? Right. Or vice yeah. versa. You know, that's not, it's mm -hmm. not a sexist mm -hmm. thing. It's, it is what it is, you know? So I think that's like yeah. a huge development here. And what is your recommendation to navigate these times uh, when, when people are having those boundaries being interlinked and interconnected? Or crossing those boundaries. Yeah. 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 In the absence of routine, struggle ensues. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in the absence of routine, we fight because when we don't have that hour of lunch that we're going to do together, then anytime you bother me, I'm going to start fighting with you. And then you feel mm -hmm. rejected all the time. Right. You see how that works? Mm -hmm. We need to set limit. We need to respect you. So, so my suggestion, of course, is set up a routine. Have breakfast with each other in the morning. If you have 15 minutes of breakfast time, make that time mm. for your wife and kids. Mm. So if you have, need to make breakfast for your children, 15 minutes. Agree to see them again at some time in the afternoon mm. and then totally be there for dinner. And then if there's an after dinner activity, whether that's watching a movie or just hanging out or just helping with homework, whatever it is, but set those times so that they get their fill of dad and they get their fill of mom. And mom and dad have their chance to share time and spend time with each other. Very important. Probably this, this discussion, they must have in advance that this is what we're planning to do together as a family, right? I think- uh, Well, usually after a important. lot of fights. Yeah, usually. <laughs> <laughs> They're like frustrated for a solution. Okay, <laughs> then- it's always the way it goes, right? <laughs> right, right. And lately there has been a, a bombardment of, you know, news, especially bad news, which creates a lot of anxiety. Uh, and uh, I, I would say anxiousness has become a default state that most of people are living in right now. You know, they're, they're just totally. anxious for no reason. And nobody's asking the question, what is causing me anxiousness? They're pretty much in a, in a default state of anxiousness with everything. How do you see that? impacting the relationship, especially between couples? Whew, that's a good one, you know, I, and I agree with you. And I wish I had, I wish I had, you know, more of a solid answer to that. I agree with you. The, the level of anxiety that we are living into, I yeah. have never felt this uh, precarious in my entire life. You know what I mean? Like it just feels mm. like every day... Even little things like I know not everybody is an investor, but I mean, I'm t my kids, my 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 younger kids or my older kids, they just started investing in the stock market, 
you know, just little things, you know, with mm-hmm. Robin Hood and stuff like that, this little app that you, anybody can take $15 and put it in right. and buy a, a millionth of a quarter of Apple or something like that, right? So <laughs> for them, for the stock market to go up and down 3%, 4% per day, that's normal, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anybody with a little bit of gray in their hair, even the slightest bit will remember that you know, a 2% day on the stock market is a huge shift in the way the world, the way the economy is going, you know, and then 2%, two days in a row or three days in a row. I mean, this is unheard of, except for back in the year 1998, when AOL went live and and became public trading. I mean, these are back in the crazy times and that lasted for only a few years. Today, the whole world is topsy-turvy. Right. Every day there's something else that, that's occurring. So I agree with you fully that the anxiety level is through the roof. I think something that would help couples, in my opinion, is for us to be intuitive and cognizant of areas in the way things run in the world that we agree on. Mm. Okay, so you don't want to fight with your spouse. We want to kind of ferret out areas and topics that we agree on and in those areas support each other Hmm. that's very helpful areas where you kind of broach the subject with your spouse and you're and you're beginning to see that they see things differently than you Hmm. which is very common nowadays with all the craziness going on right do you do you are you familiar with that absolutely (laughs) it is possible yeah yeah (laughs) yeah you want to stay away from those areas and we can okay. get, we can, we can be respectful and right. the, the best way to respect it is to not engage in any type of arguments about those things, mm. you know, and be because res- they, they, they hold strong opinions about those subjects or those specific topics. Right. So a hundred percent and everything today yeah. is backed up by lots of emotion. Right. And you right. don't want to let you're on a, if you're married with kids, right? So your job is to keep the house together and to raise your children in a warm, loving environment Mm -hmm. and to support your spouse and to take care of your physical and emotional needs. That's your Mm -hmm. number one job. That's your, that's really your only job between you and your spouse. It's not, it's not either one of your jobs to solve the feminist issue that's occurring in the world or, you know, over-incarceration of minorities or <laughs> the global, you know, a refugee crisis. These things are not part of your charter and your mandate if you're married. You just got to keep uh, that. <laughs> I think that's, that's a very valid uh, point that you brought in uh, because sometimes uh, I think we get so emotionally involved with the world affairs that we, we really take it on us <laughs> trying to make a point to our spouse about some game or something That's political right. or, mm-hmm. and then you get personal about the whole, uh, whole topic. Yeah. I think it's yeah. a, I think Absolutely. we got to get our priorities, right. What's important for the family. Right. Yeah. So, and, and, and that's not to say that you shouldn't have your online support groups or even a bunch of friends that you can just complain about something that bothers you. You guys all agree on something and go for it. You know, but just don't, mm. the, the topics that don't work inside the house, don't mm. bring inside the house. Very interesting. <laughs> and uh, I was listening to one of your uh, uh, solo podcasts, which, which you were, uh, you know, having on your uh, website. And uh, one of the interesting topic that you mentioned about was... Uh, 
sometimes it's not about really getting into the specifics of the differences between the husband and wife it's the atmosphere okay you mentioned that it's the atmosphere which is more important than the you know getting into the specifics of what the differences was all about could you elaborate on what do you mean by the atmosphere sure sure absolutely and that's a great um that's a great tip that i found very helpful um you know i think as men we want to seek out truth it's really important to us to be accurate truthful consistent um logical rational right this is the way we define the world mm. right so for us a world that is good and positive and moving in the right direction can, is a, a world that aligns truthfully with either reality or with the way we perceive reality and we take this energy and we bring it into our marriage right but the problem is is that you're not married to another man <laughs> you're married to a woman <laughs> and <laughs> that's where the whole chemistry <laughs> develops okay <laughs> So <laughs> your job inside of your marriage isn't to be right and isn't to be truthful and isn't to be logical it's to be loving caring and supportive pretty big shift which is completely <laughs> something which is out of his syllabus like something he never <laughs> subscribed to before that's right this is not the right. same way as it is with your buddies right you don't care about being right. loving caring supportive with your friends i rarely every once in a right. while one of your guy friends will open up to you and it'll be a very uncomfortable interaction but you have to do it cuz he's a friend right <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the show. All the key points discussed will be available in the show notes at www.rareearth.com. That is R A R E E R T H.com. Uh, yes, there is no A in that. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, if you really liked and enjoyed the show, please do give me your feedback, review, and rate it on iTunes or any listening app of your choice. Do subscribe and share with your friends. Thank you.